Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 455 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Uh, just Adam today for the intro, and then I uh, did a really fun panel interview for the main part of this episode that can't wait for you guys to take a listen to. Uh, this episode is all about some young adult DC comics that focus heavily on uh, LGBTQ uh, as well as some uh, different situations in society that really need to be focused on and that I'm really excited that DC chose to do this with some of their comics. So today I did a panel with not uh, just one or two New York Times bestselling authors but with three. Uh, We have Jean Yang who wrote Superman Smashes the Klan Alex Sanchez, who brought you, uh, who wrote "You Brought Me the Ocean," and Lori Hulse Anderson, who wrote "Wonder Woman: Tempest Tossed." Uh, all three of these authors are award-winning, well-known, just incredible storytellers, and it was so great to see them use the various worlds of uh, these well-known superheroes to expand and discuss important conversations and, and topics. So. Wanted to do this during during June especially just because it is Pride Month, um, but you know Jill and I have been talking and you know we are not gonna stop talking about Pride or uh, Black Lives Matter or anything like that once this month comes to an end. You know these are things that need to be discussed not just in June but all year round. Uh, so we're gonna do our part to keep doing that sort of a thing. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, People downloading the the podcast seem to be enjoying it. We're getting really lovely messages from people. And um, yeah, so keep doing it. Uh, keep listening. Keep letting us know your thoughts. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always reach us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Uh, you can go to, uh, or sorry, professionalbooknerds.com. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Uh, seeing some people tagging us wearing their new Professional Book Nerds t-shirts, which is fantastic. Uh, if you want to get your own, you can go to shop.overdrive.com. There's also a ton of really cool Libby swag and Sora swag as well. So if you want a hoodie, a t-shirt, a pop socket, a tote bag, there's all sorts of fun stuff. And then there's two different designs for the Professional Book Nerds t-shirts. Uh, best of all, anything that you buy on shop.overdrive.com, 100% of the proceeds is going to library charities. So um, not making any money off those, just had the ability to provide some really cool stuff to people and then give back to libraries. So you're, you're helping... Uh, you know, help and keep libraries supported as they start to open back up here. And uh, yeah, I think that's just about everything. Um, keep sending in those recommendations for books that you would love to hear more about. Um, yeah, and we'll keep providing you guys content. So that's just about everything. Uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It is Adam, and I am extremely, extremely excited to be doing a very special version of our author interview podcast. I do not have one or two, but I have three New York Times bestselling authors with me today. Uh, If I were to go through all of their awards, we would be here all day and then the podcast would end. But suffice to say, we have National Book Award finalists, Carnegie Shortlist people, uh, Lambda Award winners, ALA Prince Award winners, and so much more. Uh, they have each written just incredible comics for DC, which we're going to get into. So I'm going to introduce all three of them by name first, and then we'll go one by one and let you talk about your book. So couldn't be more excited to say that I have Lori Hulse Anderson, Dean Luen Yang, and Alex Sanchez with me all at the same time. 
all on Zoom. Thank you all for, for joining me today. I'm so excited for this. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So everyone who's been listening, you guys know that we've been doing lots of uh, quarantine episodes at this point with our co you know, co-workers and things. So we're all going to talk over each other just a little bit. I'll do my best to good host I promise um, but what I'm going to do first is have each of you go one at a time and introduce your book and so we will start with Lori who your book is Wonder Woman Tempest Toss so I will let you talk first and I have to um, let you know that I'm a little uh, delirious because I just got my copies yesterday and because of the shutdown I wasn't able to see my arc so I basically spent all day going Oh, pretty. Oh, my precious. Wait, you know? hold on. They just gave you, you just got your advanced copies like just yesterday? No, this is, I got my final. I, oh. I, but the, the, the advanced copies didn't ship to my house because things. Things. So, no, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, gosh. So do you so, want to introduce our listeners to it? Yeah, if I can do it without breaking into tears. <laughs> um, let me give it a shot. So this is Wonder Woman Tempest Tossed. Uh, illustrated by Leila Del Duca. Uh, the, uh, the colorist for this was uh, Kelly Fitzgerald, and I'll have to look up, I haven't yet memorized the name. Ah, Seda Temofonte, letterer. That's a really hard word. <laughs> letterer. So uh, I was given the, my, my assignment uh, from DC Comics, I can't believe that I got to work with them, was I needed to write about Wonder Woman at age 16. Mm -hmm. And I had to start her at Themyscira, then complications ensue, and then she winds up in the United States. And it was for me so much fun to think about Wonder Woman as an adolescent, particularly since she's raised in a culture and with a people who have never seen anybody grow from childhood, or even babies, right? Mm -hmm. She was the first baby, she was the first 10 year old, she was the first teenager. So thinking of her kind of literally coming into her strength and vulnerability as a teenager was really fun. And then she comes to the United States to a country that is stuck in its own adolescent vulnerabilities. You did, you did that really, really well. I think that was a fantastic uh, introduction. And there's, I mean, there's so much in here that we, there's things talk about human trafficking and, and facilitating helping out the poor and stuff. But we're going to get to that in one second but before we we do uh next how about alex would you like to talk about uh your book you brought me the ocean which um i didn't read the back first so i was very surprised when i saw how it was a tie-in to a very certain uh superhero that was a fun surprise in the middle if you don't read the back it's a nice little i was like oh that's who we're talking about sure so uh i'm also uh like laurie just so thrilled that uh, dc invited me to to be able to write for them and it's my first graphic novel, so that was also exciting. And so you brought me the ocean. It's, uh, I think of it as a combination of three things. One, it's about a, a teenage boy uh, coming to terms with his sexuality. So it's a coming out, a gay coming out story. And then it's also, as he's uh, coming to terms with his sexuality, he's also discovering his superpowers. So it's also a superhero origin story. And to add to all that, it's also a falling in love story. It's a romance. And one of the things that was most exciting for me was just the idea to be able to, to write for DC a story about a teenage superhero boy falling in love with another boy. There's, 
and again I, we'll, we'll get more in depth in just a little bit but there's a part where he's like trying to break all of these various pieces of news to his his like best friend I, my heart was breaking for him there was like so many pieces where it's almost like he's like and if you think that's big news wait for this and i was just like oh my gosh i felt i've like felt in my skin being a 16 year old having to tell someone even just like the base thing is yeah so we will we'll get into that as well i feel like people are going to be able to tell i'm extremely excited about all three of these as well so I, i'm very jazz. So last but not least, Gene, do you want to talk about Superman who this might be the best title of a book I've ever seen, which is <laughs> Superman Smashes the Clan. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I I'm really thrilled to be a part of this panel. So I've I've actually been working for DC for a while now. I started in 2015 and um the young readers section of DC Comics has just gotten off the ground. So to have folks like uh, Lori and, and Alex work on DC characters, even from a fan's perspective, I just feel like, like, I kind of feel like we're moving into the future. You know what I mean? Like this, mm-hmm. this is like, there's, it, it's, it's almost hard to describe how excited I am about the entire line. Um, but, but my, my part of the line that um, I did a graphic novel with Guri Hiro, they're the artists. They're amazing, an amazing art team out of Japan. Um, we had worked together previously on the Avatar Last Airbender comics. And then the, the letter is Janice Chang. And we, we'd work together as well. We, we did a, a, a graphic novel called The Shadow Hero together. Janice used the letter, um, all of the Spider-Man uh, weekly, like a, like a newspaper comics that were written by Stan Lee. So she's like a big deal. Oh my God. Right? She's like a Stan Lee's longtime collaborator. She's a big deal. So to have her on this project was, was awesome. But Superman Smashes the Clan is a retelling of an old, old story uh, from the Superman mythos in the, in the 1940s on his radio show, he took on a group called the Clan of the Fiery Cross, which was essentially DC Comics version of the Ku Klux Klan. And he did that in defense of a Chinese-American family. So supposedly after this storyline aired on American radio, the real-life Ku Klux Klan had a dip in their membership. Nobody wanted to join after Superman brought them down on this children's radio show. So it's one of those examples of geek culture actually having a real effect on the real world, right? Uh, even though it's one of the most important stories from the Superman mythos, it's never been presented in comics before. And Gurihiro, Janice, and I are thrilled that we got the chance to do that. It's, I, again, like one of the things that I've really loved seeing lately, uh, especially in the comic world, is this bringing forward of diverse stories and diverse backgrounds and sexualities. I'm, one of my very good friends in the book world because of this podcast is Marika Niekamp, who wrote the Oracle book, which just came out mm-hmm. um, last, last month. That's actually the reason I got to talk to all of you because I met Sarah through Marika. And I am just always so excited about seeing stories like this. But something that I feel like ties all three of your stories together is this feeling of other and not knowing your place. And, and I'm curious, and this is just something I'll, I'll let any of you guys kind of jump in as, as you want to, but when you're telling these stories because it is this existing ip like is there what is the back and forth with dc are they completely open to any ideas that you want because i mean there's a lot of stuff in here that makes me really happy to see but i'm just curious is there back and forth with how you have to convey a story a certain way with these extremely popular characters i didn't have any of that um, you know, they, uh, like I said, she had to be 16 and she had to come to the United States. Um, but, but I had, I was, you know, a new kid on, on the DC comics team. 
So I, ha I did an audition. So they, I wrote, you know, um, kind of a very, very loose script first. So they knew kind of the direction that I was thinking of going in. Um, and all I've had has been incredible support for it. I, sorry, I, I, was, I wanted to start laughing the idea of, of someone telling Lori Hall Sanderson to audition <laughs> to tell a story. That's no, man, you, gotta, you, have to, you have to always keep that beginner mind. As a matter of fact, Jean, you gave us, um, we had a, a, a Zoom, a bunch of us newer authors, and you like taught us everything. So thank you, buddy. Um, that was so crazy. I have to tell you, yeah, DC Comics asked me to do a, like a little online seminar on writing comics. And then Lori Hal Sanderson shows up as one of the students. It was so intimidating. <laughs> I have so much to learn. So much to learn. No, you, it was, it was good. It was really fun. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was really yeah. very helpful. Jane. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you both for, for being there. That was, uh, it was fun to do. I mean, I, I think that's part of what made me excited about the, the line, right? We're, we're kind of... Um, just, just pulling all these really amazing storytellers who have established voices into the DC universe. Alex, what about you? Was there any like guidelines or any guidance for setting up your story? So the way I understand it, what, what happened was that uh, DC, the character Aqualad, like so many comic characters, has gone through all these different versions, iterations, and in the previous, one of the recent incarnations, he was identified as gay, but he didn't really have a, a, a storyline around that. He was just, you know, a gay character. And so they wanted to have uh, a story that really explored, dealt with him exploring his sexuality. And so uh, beyond that, they said, don't worry about researching the, the other versions, you know, really make this your own story. What is the story that you would want to tell? And so uh, in that sense, uh, you know, they, they gave me uh, pretty much complete freedom in terms of, uh, you know, they also asked me, you know, we'll, we'll make a pitch, you know, and, and so, you know, write a couple of paragraph thing of what you would see the story being. So I did that and then they asked for a synopsis after that. And so I did that. So, so they had an idea of what was, what I was uh, gonna put together in terms of a story what one of the most exciting uh, challenges about doing this though was because I hadn't written a superhero before, you know, I sort of brought in, you know, what I think, you know, a superhero is. And, and so working with uh, wonderful editor, Sarah Miller, she'd be like, well, we don't want it quite so superhero-y. <laughs> we really want this line to be, you know, addressing real life, you know, teen issues. And so think of it in terms of, you know, that you have a superhero character but what they're dealing with aren't, you know, superhero type issues. They're more real life uh, teen issues. It, it's so interesting you say that because I'm, you know, getting to, to Gene, like, Gene, you wrote about Superman who like, if, if anyone ever has a critique about Superman, it's that he's so powerful and so almost like godlike where it's almost challenging to write a story where there's any threat to him other than, oh, someone has kryptonite. But you still find a way there's in all three of your stories. And again, like I have to imagine this had to be pretty challenging with Superman. Like you find a way to humanize him. And there's a story about parents and like there's things in here that are slightly different than what people might recognize as Superman's kind of origin story. So like, was it challenging to take this, you know, kind of like the first 
superhero. I'm from Cleveland, so I'm going to call him the first superhero, the first comic um, since he was born. He was born here. Uh, it, was it challenging to kind of humanize this demigod, more or less? Well, first, I'm with you. He, I think he's the first one too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he's the one that kind of establishes the entire genre. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, Doc Samson, I think is a different thing, right? So <laughs> Superman is it. Superman is is the beginning. Uh, and and I actually think, I mean, what what you said about the other. Uh, how mm-hmm. the other kind of ties all of our, our stories together. I, I really do think that otherness is at the root of the superhero genre. You know, every superhero, almost every superhero at least, has this dual identity. They have a secret identity and they have the superhero identity. And that superhero identity really is like an expression of the other. So uh, it, 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 it has a lot of overlap with young adult literature. I think it's, it's, it, it felt natural for me to lean into that. In, in this like Superman story for young people. So to kind of like a larger question and I'll, I'll let you guys sort of ping pong off of each other as a response here, but um, I don't know that, and maybe it's because I didn't find the right ones, up, but I don't remember when I was younger, there being comics that really addressed important conversations that maybe young readers would struggle to come to terms with. Um, I grew up in a very open and understanding and fantastic family and community and I had friends from all backgrounds and all sexualities and all everything. So I was very, very lucky in that sense. But I can't think of any comics that I read growing up that have these conversations that you guys are having. So just to a larger question, how do you feel comics can approach these conversations that maybe in a way other media isn't able to do for for young readers and and why do you think we're seeing such the such a uh, renaissance of this type of comic now well i have an opinion yeah absolutely (laughs) i think there's something about uh children and teenagers that makes them connect deeply deeply to myth um, because they don't have enough life experience, um, they, and, and they understand, especially when they're teenagers, that their life experience has, you know, uh, there's blinders, and they're trying very hard to pull them off. They're trying to explore everything, and so when 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 truths about uh, humankind, the universe, um, the good stuff in life, the bad stuff in life, when we can filter that through myth, I think it's I think that's in our DNA. Frankly, it's in our mm-hmm. it's in the marrow of our bones. And so this kind of storytelling with superheroes and, and just living a larger experience uh, than you maybe physically can do, but use your imagination, I think that resonates so deeply with kids, um, more than adults even. And, uh, and we've had, you know, Gene's been a huge part of the expansion in children's literature and acceptance of comics and graphic novels. And it's, it's just, it's like finally everything's coming together in a way that gives me hope for the future. Gene, uh, Alex, what do you guys think? I, I think, uh, I think Laura's, uh, Laurie said it exactly mm-hmm. right. I think um, superheroes are modern American mythology and, uh, and kids can just connect to that. Like what, what you're actually seeing when you see all these people wearing spandex running around is I, I feel like they're embodying uh, ideologies and, and ways of being and, and you're seeing like that like a big superhero fight is actually a fight between different ways of being different ways of seeing the world right and and the fact that they're in these colorful costumes just brings out 
those conflicts in a, in a way that is maybe more easily understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I grew up reading the same kind of comics you did, I think. Yeah. And, and like you, I don't remember a ton of comic books dealing with intense issues. Um, there were some though. There was like that, uh, that Green Lantern, Green Arrow run that dealt with a lot of social issues, but it, some of it felt kind of clumsy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if um, it's just, I mean, I, I wonder if, if bringing in more voices into the superhero genre is a way of mm-hmm. filling it out in that particular way. Yeah. Alex, I like you were going to say something. Yeah, so I, I, I think for, for all of us, I mean, so much of what happens with our, our characters in, in these novels is, is, you know, they're, you know, becoming empowered you know, they're having agency. And, and, you know, I think back to, you know, when I was growing up, so much of my frustration was about the things I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And my attraction to being a superhero is that then I would have power. Then I would have, you know, be able to do things. And I think what's so exciting about these, these stories by focusing on the real life issues, it's like that's, that's, I think, the attraction of the superheroes is that they are so powerful. But as a teen, what you really want is you don't want power over, you know, you know, these these super villains. You just want power enough to deal with, you know, whether it's boys at school or being able to, you know, to do things that your parents won't let you do that you know you need to do or want to do. So I think that that's that that then I think that's so much of the, the appeal of what, what we're writing now is that it's like, yeah. If I was a superhero that I could do these real life things, never mind the supervillains, just these other things that I can't do that I want to do to change my life, to have that power and control over my life. I feel like at that age, I just would have liked to have power over my emotions. Like, I just want to get exactly. through watching, like, I want to get through watching, like, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat without crying as a 16-year-old <laughs> and embarrassing myself. Like, um, exactly. do, you, do you guys think that there is also something to be said about addressing these really large and important topics like you know coming out or like human trafficking or you know racism and hatred with known characters this i feel like being able to hand a story to like a niece or nephew of mine with a character that they already understand and are excited about i've always wondered if that helps or it prohibits maybe the ability to better understand an, an issue. And I don't know, the, I don't know the answer. I'm kind of curious what you guys think. I personally think it, it helps overall. It's sort of like having a friend that you already know, mm-hmm. take you in to some place that's dark, right? It's always helpful to have that connection of familiarity. I think that this is part of the appeal of series um, for all of us, but particularly for kids, uh, teens and kids, because they've already, and if you're still kind of on the cusp of learning how to read really fluidly, or if you're, you're reading, learning how to read in another language than the first language you learn, um, it, it's a lot of effort goes into there. And when you can open up and go, oh, yes, I know this person. I know a little bit about their background. Um, I think it just, it drops barriers. But we also have to remember that we can't assume that all of our readers are going to know our characters. For mm-hmm. a lot of our, our readers, these books will be an introduction to those characters. Um, and I hope, I know, you know, just whenever we can help kids get excited about reading, I feel, and devouring art and, and words, I think we are doing what we need to do for the next generation. And, um, these, and okay. these characters, these characters, I mean, because they are icons, it's sort of like, you know, 
when celebrities speak out on an issue. It's like, you know, so for young people, it's like these, these icons, they're like celebrities. And so they, they give more uh, power and legitimacy and, and oomph to, to, these, to these issues. That's, that's such a good point. I, that's actually, that's why um, every year the American Library Association, for like National Library Week, they always have like a, a quote unquote famous person is their, uh, their spokesperson. And it's like the cast of Toy Story 4 is represented. It's like, that's such a smart way of doing it. Um, so obviously with Superman smashes the clan, pretty straightforward, the, who we're approaching as the, the villain and what the problem is there and, and like what topic we're going to be talking about. Same thing with you robbed me the ocean where it becomes very clear that like it's a coming out story. Lori, I'm curious for you, like the human trafficking part of your story. Did you know going into it, that was something that you wanted to highlight or is that did that kind of come along organically well i was thinking um there was one image that i saw in the news i think it was two summers ago that that broke me and i've not been able to get this image out of my head it was when when so many people were fleeing and crossing the mediterranean uh you know fleeing from from the wars in syria and other places and crossing in rubber rafts and sadly so many families didn't make the crossing they died and somebody was on the shore, uh, I think it was either Greece or Italy, some volunteers who wanted to help these folks. Mm-hmm. And they picked up a child size life preserver and there was no child in it. Yeah. And that just, so there's actually a scene in, in, in my book where you, where you see that. So it was more than just human trafficking. It was, you know, Wonder Woman is all about justice. And she was raised in a place, you know, in some ways, I think her journey is going to be a lot of our readers who have been raised in relative privilege. And then you get to adolescence and you start learning about the world. and You're like, well, that's not right. That's not fair. And, and I think we really want to help kids um, uh, expand that part of their spirit, right? Of, of seeing that something's wrong in the world and that they can make a huge difference in that. Um, and obviously I spend a lot of time uh, talking about uh, sexual violence, trying to educate people about that and, and hopefully prevent it. So that kind of wormed its way into the manuscript a little bit too. <laughs> um, there's a really powerful story that's a little bit similar called Illegal by Owen Colfer. It came out uh, a couple years ago. Um, and I remember just being floored and it's the same thing, like these people trying to escape. It's a different area of the world, but it is, a, they think they're trying to escape Ethiopia and it was just, it, yeah, it's also very, very heavy. Um, so, and like Jean, you mentioned, you know, obviously you've been working in the comic world for a while now, but Lori and Alex, for you two, other than the um, not having the luxury of using quite as many words, did you find that it was challenging to write a story like this or that it was helpful knowing that there was going to be visuals like i'm always fascinated to hear from the the writer's side of things how it felt to tell these stories go ahead alex (laughs) well for me the the big excitement was you know when when i write usually write a character it's like i have a vague idea what they look like and i can put some description into the text but, you know, unless I'm, you know, specifically, you know, modeling on, on a certain, you know, photograph that I've pulled from uh, the web or where thinking, you know, yeah, this is what the character looks like. Other than that, it's just like a fuzzy idea. So to watch, you know, 
when when Julie Morrow, the, the amazing illustrator for you, brought me the ocean, when when they actually you know drew these characters, it's like wow, and it was this this like. Well, that's not exactly how I saw them, but yeah, yeah, that 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 works. And to actually see a, a character that you know I had created that then someone else you know gives them visual life to, that was that was a, uh, you know one of the biggest biggest new new things for me. And um, then you know I, I I'd written movie scripts before, but never a comic strip. So the whole idea of breaking script down into panels and what happens in panels and you know the stuff that Gene you know taught us about page turns and and the energy it takes to turn a page and that that was all that was all wonderful to think think through those things and then and then how to just cut 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 down you know dialogue there's so many of those aspects that and I'd never worked you know as so closely with an editor and actually going through going through the, the writing of a book. So all those different aspects were just like so fun and so exciting. I, I will say for, for yours, um, as a person who in high school had some body image uh, issues, I, I wish I looked like these guys when I was 16. Like I like actively, I showed my wife, I was like, look how, in, I know that they're swimmers, but look how in shape these guys are. <laughs> Lori, how about you? Well, I had, um, I did the adaptation for the speak graphic novel a couple of years ago. That's true, yeah. And I worked with a Canadian illustrator um, and artist, Emily Carroll, who just blew that out of the water. She did such a great job. So I had a little bit of that practice. And I also years ago wrote picture books uh, when my kids were little. And so I had a little bit of that sense of the page turn, but I really, the, the best part of this experience for me as a craftsperson, as a writer, was like really having to think through the action on the page and allowing the action to carry thought or to carry purpose or to carry emotion so that those words that, that, that I chose hopefully were as few as possible um, and, and, you know, just necessary to move it along. And so I find, I actually think I'm a, I learned a lot about writing by working on this book and I think I'm a better writer now. Jean, you have experience doing both, the illustrations for your own work and then also like you said in this situation and then several others you've done the copy and not the the drawing like is there is it more challenging for you to write the story without having complete control over what the visuals are going to be or is it easier i imagine it's also a load off of you not to do that extra yeah yeah what does the difference feel like for you well, you know, I, I'm a pretty slow artist, so there's there's no way I could draw all of the stories that I want to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, if if I feel like I need a little more control over the way a story looks on on the page, I'll, I'll draw it myself. But then there are some stories where I just feel like my own drawing style is not appropriate for it. Like I can't draw that way, you know. And Superman Smashes the Clan is definitely that. We really wanted uh, a look that was kind of a mash mishmash between. Um, like those old Fleischer Superman cartoons and modern manga. I can't draw like that. And Guri Hiro <laughs> totally did. They, 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 they nailed it. I would say this, the best part of like writing for somebody else, especially like Guri Hiro, is you send in the script and every few days you get these beautiful pages in your email. And I didn't have to lift a finger. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to slave over a drawing tablet for hours to get there. 
like uh it's like getting dailies back from when you're like working on a movie type of a thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's amazing um Lori and alex having worked on these now like what do you feel like you know about this process that you didn't maybe beforehand and like what makes you excited about continuing to work in this world now that you have a little bit of experience or is it like i've, I've had um authors tell me that no matter how many novels they write when they're looking at that blank page for the first time like it feels like it's a debut like does it feel different at all now that you've done work in this area oh it's even scarier <laughs> <laughs> it's even it's like you know you, have, you could, i was so excited when i was invited to try out for this and then they said yes and then i was so excited it's like oh no oh, i have, to, I do have to write it <laughs> But I think that that you know that that terror is um, is very is very healthy, uh, you know, because you're trying to create something that didn't exist before. And I I don't know about you guys, but this is what keeps me in this field is because I get bored really easily. Mm. And every new book doesn't matter how many books you've done before, you've never done this book. And so that's a super exciting challenge and uh, very engaging. Are you planning on continuing with this particular? Wonder Woman like story this because it, it I don't want to give anything away but it could it could go one way or the other at the end it could go many ways at the end we'll yeah. just leave that there I am actually adapting some of my historical fiction to a graphic mm. novel format so that'll well that's going to take years to for, mm-hmm. for that process to finish but I'm a huge huge fan of visual storytelling yeah and 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 the art just oh we're yeah. we're meant to see things and um Alex, at least the copy I got, you have much more story to tell here, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I, I would love to, because for me, you know, the, uh, another big difference was that, you know, for me, you know, usually when I write, it's such a, such a lonely process. It's like, it's me and I'm writing the story. And this was just such an incredibly collaborative process mm. with Julie and uh, the artist and, and Sarah, the, the editor. And... Uh, the amount of you know synergy and energy you know, is just of that of that collaboration. I just found it so so refreshing, mm-hmm. to, you know, as opposed to just me writing this, this, you know, putting down the story on the page. So I would love to do much more, mm-hmm. you know, both both with these characters and and other characters. And in fact, seeing what Julie did in terms of artwork, it reminded me of when I was a boy and I love to draw so much and and it's taken me back to it now so now i'm i'm doing some illustrations for a memoir i'm working on so that's really really inspired me that way um gene are there any characters you have like any comic worlds that you haven't gotten to explore it as a writer that you would really like to get into within the 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 dc universe um I, uh, I've always loved Jack Kirby's uh, Fourth World. Mm-hmm. I think it's, he just filled that, that corner of the DC universe with so many crazy stories. You know, I'd love to do something in that corner. Uh, and I've also, after doing uh, Superman Smashes the Clan, I became really fascinated with uh, World War II, especially World War II filtered through American comics, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to be very careful how I say this because it'll sound wrong if I don't. But I would love to do something with the black... Hawks. <laughs> you got it right. You're good. I think we're, yeah, good. we're in the clear. <laughs> um, I, what about you, Lori, Alex? Are there like characters or worlds that now that you've done this, like that you would love to explore? Like, I will say when um, 
admittedly when I showed my, my wife is a huge Wonder Woman fan and she actually kind of has like she's tall and dark hair and like has that look sort of and so which it like took her breath away when she saw this but like is there a another character that you were like oh you know it'd be really fun is to kind of noodle in that world now you know I'm a huge uh, believer in serendipity mm. um, I don't have an idea right now but I know that if I keep on doing the kind of work that I best enjoy you know it'll come across my path so I'll wait for it to show up yeah that's right Alex I love Laurie's answer I'm this you know this was such a gift that came into my life it's like now I'm just like eager to see, okay, what's going to happen next? Uh, so when we do kind of panels like this, I love kind of leaving off with one, um, like a book recommendation from each of you guys. And then also um, what you hope kind of readers take away from your book. So first I'll just kind of go around in a circle. Like what's a book you've read recently that you're really loving? Um, I'll just, Lori got excited. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, Linda Sue Park, Prairie Lotus. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's a masterpiece. It is the best book ever. It is the world of Laura Ings, kind of a reimagining of Laura Ingalls Wilder, but it's told through the lens of a character whose mother was from China. Her father is a white American. They're coming across the Dakota territories. So it's, it's, it's not the racist Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm. that sadly too many of us grew up with and and she just she hit it out of the park and what was the other question oh uh, we'll we'll circle back on that okay but first right. I, I wish we were joking before we started recording that we're not sharing the video that we are currently on but i really <laughs> wish everyone could see Lori's like eyes light up when i asked that question um alex what's a book you've recently enjoyed uh, well you know i've been reading a lot of graphic novels you know to, to learn more you know as as i was working on you brought me the ocean and one that I read just recently was uh, Mariko Tamaki's uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me and is, is just such a wonderful sort of offbeat relationship story that just rang so true for, for, for my experience with relationships. And I loved it. So that'd be one that I'd recommend. Gene, uh, how about you? Well, uh, three of the DC young reader graphic novels that have been circulating among uh, my two younger daughters are uh, Shadow of the Batgirl and Green Lantern Legacy and um, Diana or Princess of the Amazons. All of them have just been like cycling through our house over and over and over again. Um, so I'm going to, this one second here. I literally have at least, yeah, the one I can reach, I literally have the Legacy right behind me. And I think the other two are back there as well, but my dog's in the way. I can't get to them. That's hilarious. I, I was very lucky when we got to set this up uh, Sarah, who is muted right now, but was helping me, gave me basically a stack of all of your guys' stuff. And it was like the best day ever. I got <laughs> lots of brownie points. Um, okay. What we love leaving people with is what you as an author hope readers take away from reading these books. So we'll start with like Alex. What do you hope readers take away from You Brought Me the Ocean? So for me, it's like I put so much of myself in 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 the story, of, you know, the, the, especially the the coming out and the love story uh, between these these boys and in that sense you know oftentimes as as uh, children's and YA writers we talk about you know writing the books we'd had when when wish we'd had when we were growing up and so my my hope is you know when I was growing up I was really scared and confused about who who I was and my hope is that you know books like ours and and you know uh, you brought me the ocean 
can, you know, help young people, you know, touch their lives that way and know that, you know, it's okay to be who you are. That's amazing. Uh, Lori, how about you? What do you hope readers take away from Tempest Tossed? I hope that they see um, that this dream we have of America, which has not yet been realized, that this is a place where we can create a world where everybody has equity and equality and justice, equal opportunity, um, is one that we are all responsible for, that we all have to actively um, work on creating that world. Because, you know, we've, we've made some good promises to ourselves. We haven't fulfilled them. Um, and the, the, the iconography of, of the Statue of Liberty is really important in this book. And if kids can embrace their responsibility as Americans to make this country what we promised ourselves, I'll be a happy girl. That's fabulous. Gene, what do you hope readers take away from Superman Smashes the Klan? Well, Superman is an icon of hope, and he's also uh, the other, right? He's, uh, he's an alien, he's a foreigner, he's an immigrant. And I hope that uh, readers take away the melding of those two, that whatever makes you other is also a source of hope. Well, all three of you, Gene, Lori, Alex, I, when I got the opportunity to do this, I was so excited. All three of you are absolutely legends in my mind. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Adam. This was delightful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.